0: to prayer again so if you bow your heads with me heavenly father thank you again for the day and thank you for uh, loving us so much thank you for your word pray that you might um, cause our time together to be honoring to you and lord that it would be edifying to the body of christ and we would thank you for that and i pray that you would um Just bless our time as only you can and use your word uh, to work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, amen. I wasn't going to read this passage of Scripture, but Carol actually read this on our way to church, and I thought, what a great passage of Scripture to read before the message. It's in Hebrews chapter 4. It's kind of like a warning but not really. In Hebrews 4, verses 12 and 13, it says, "'For the word of God is living and active "'and sharper than any two-edged sword "'and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, "'of both joints and marrow, "'and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. "'And there is no creature hidden from his sight,' But all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Amen? You have been warned, right? We have been warned. Uh, I would say don't be afraid of this two-edged sword that is sharper than any other. Let the word of God do its work in your life and in my life. If I was to title my message and I was asked for a title this morning, I would say three words, setting, letting, actually four words, and walking. Setting, letting, and walking. And I suppose that you're like me, but I'll ask the question, do you ever marvel at God's calling you to live in a manner that's pleasing to him? Marvel that he would call these earthen vessels to holy living in a sin-affected world. If you're like me, and you are, Perhaps you even wonder if you will ever find this place where you really live there. I don't mean know a biblical truth or go to church, but this place of actually living there. And to consider Four different things this morning. One is and the first one is our our high calling. Remembering that the believer, you and I, are called to a a standard of of thought, conduct, and speech that is higher than anything of this world. That God's equipping is powerful and complete, always remembering that God empowers and equips us to do all that he calls us to do. God has also made provision for sin in the life of a believer, although I would ask that you remember this, that the provision does not lessen the high calling. It affords the believer the ability to maintain or restore fellowship with the Father when he or she, when we do sin. But it doesn't lessen the calling of God to this high standard of thought conduct, and speech. And last, we'll, uh, I'll challenge us to look at a, at a verse of Scripture that contains within it, I believe, a promise that we often don't really consider. But first, uh, our high calling. I think we all know the admonitions for Christian living that we find in Scripture are, I would just describe them as being high and exalted. They're beyond the ability of mere men. The reason they're that way is because they're consistent with God's character and his attributes. They are no less and no more than Christ-like in every way. I want to consider some of them, and I want to start with uh, an admonition that was given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself to a woman one day, and I want to start there because I think it gives us a, helps us give a, a, get a glimpse into God's character uh, regarding this whole matter. I'm not going to read the whole account. Most of you are familiar with the account and the uh, the things that precede what I'm going to read. They're important, but they're not they're not uh, they're not the point this morning. But in John chapter eight, verses ten and eleven, regarding the woman caught in adultery and brought to Jesus by the scribes and Pharisees, we read this: Straightening up. Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on, sin no more. An incredible last part of that sentence, isn't it? Go from now on, sin no more. We might even ask the question, did Jesus really mean that? And we would have to say, well, of course he did. I used to comment on this verse saying that Jesus was bound simply by his holiness to utter the words that he did to the woman. That he couldn't have said something like, go from now on, sin less than you have sinned before. Or go from now on, be more careful. About how much you sin. But I've come to believe that, as Pastor Caleb has taught many times, holiness is one of God's characters, right? It's one of His attributes. I'm reminded that there's never been a more humble man that walked the face of the earth than Jesus. That there's never been a more gentle man. There's never been a man who was kinder, more thoughtful, more caring, and more loving. And there's never been a man who knew more about the impact of sin on his created ones. So, yeah... In his holiness, he could not excuse sin. He would die for it, for sure, but not excuse it. But I believe he had more in his mind and on his heart that day than just the do's and the don'ts. In what I think we see as striking contrast between those who had brought the woman to him and him Jesus wanted what was best for her. And when, you, and when you think about it, when you consider it, the life that would be best for her would be what? A life without sin. Imagine. See, not just about the do's and the don'ts. It would be the best possible thing for her. as I'm sure was the case with this woman, although I did not know her, our thoughts, our actions, our speech, our relationship with others, including our relationship with God, is impacted by our sins and the sins of others. Think about it. Imagine it, oh, to be unaffected by sin. Everybody in this room goes, I I can't, I can't, I can't comprehend such a thing. And I think that's why sometimes we find ourselves often thinking about our faith as this, this paradox, this thing that we have a hard time reconciling Because we believe and we teach that sinlessness will never be ours this side of heaven. But as sure as Jesus said to the woman, go from now on, sin no more, he knew she would sin again. And that he would make provision for those future sins. Not excuse them or give license to commit them, but make provision for them. But again, the provision that he made, the provision that he makes for you and I does not lessen the call to holiness. As we all know, this account of the woman being brought to him is an account that occurred prior to his death, burial, resurrection, prior to the church's beginning at Pentecost. So we can consider some other Passages that you might say speak more directly to you and I as believers, members now of the body of Christ, the church. First one I want to look at is in First Peter, chapter 1, verses 13 and 16. Excuse me, verses 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I know that Again, if you're like me and you read those words, like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your behavior. We go, really? Is it possible, Lord? Do you mean this? And of course, again, yes, he does. The heart of God is that we would be holy in all of our behavior. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, By this we know that we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. Do you see the loftiness of this calling? Do, do we see what he's saying? Beholding all of our behavior, we ought to walk in the same manner as he walked. Ephesians 4. The Apostle wrote in verse 29, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Wow. Have you let an unwholesome word proceed from your mouth in the last 30 minutes? Of course we have. But only, only, only such a word as is good for edification? This is incredible. And of course, what would define wholesomeness would be things consistent with person, character, of the Lord Jesus, God's word. So this is why I say, I said in the beginning, uh, when I consider the loftiness of this calling on the believer in Christ, we often have that thought in the back of our minds, really, really? Can it be? In 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, said, Be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. In the same book in the 10th chapter verse 31 Paul had written whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of God. See this this is why when my wife was reading that verse this morning, I thought, I've, I've got to read the disclaimer. <laughs> These words mm, cut deep. They reveal much. <laughs> open and laid bare before the eyes of him, right? Maybe not open and laid bare amongst ourselves but he knows and sees everything it's kind of a humbling thing to think of that verse let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth and to know that God hears everything I say Hears everything you say too And I guess if it could be worse than that, it is. He knows even my thoughts. All of them. The good, the bad. So you and I are called to be holy in all our behavior. To walk in the same manner as he walked. And I, I, I don't think we would have a disagreement. I hope there is no higher calling in this life. There could be nothing greater to desire and long for in the life of the believer. And I know that, again, the, that two-edged sword is, is cutting and it's saying... Uh, there are other things that you desire and long for more than this and that ought not to be so there's nothing there's nothing more important for us to consider every day than this using the one passage, than to walk in the same manner that he walked. Again, uh, the standard is high because he's holy and righteous and his calling is holy and righteous. But again, I would suggest that in addition to uh, the desire that that we glorify God in our lives, walking in the same manner as Jesus walked is, again, like the woman that Jesus had spoken to, it's what's best for us. It's not trying to hold something back from us. It's not trying to keep us from doing something that uh, would be some benefit to us. It's the best possible thing for us. I think it's at least in part what is referred to when we talk about having life and life more abundantly. As found in the word of God and, I believe, experienced firsthand by all believers, we know the battle between flesh and spirit. And we also know of the provisions that God has made for ongoingly addressing the issue of sin in the life of a believer. But the call itself Remains as high as it could possibly be. Christ likeness. And again, and so it's no wonder that we often find ourselves, or I find myself, thinking, how can this be? How can it really happen? But again, God has not called us to do anything that he hasn't also equipped us for. In Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we read, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. (laughs) If If there's something to praise the Lord for, it would be that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are afforded the ability, afforded the ability anyway, to walk in newness of life. Praise the Lord that he's provided the means for this to happen in the life of these earthen vessels that we are. This is a passage that I know Pastor Jerry used to like much in in 2 Peter chapter 1. Verses 2 through 4. Peter wrote, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. So this isn't from us. This is from his divine power has granted to us everything, pertaining to life and godliness. He is not holding back from us. He's granted to us everything for life and godliness. So because of the work of God in our lives for salvation and because of the indwelling holy spirit and the power and means god provides praise the lord that we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling as we read in ephesians 4:1 that that we can i'm not saying that we always do but Praise the Lord that we can walk in a manner worthy of our calling. That we can walk in love. As it says in Ephesians 5.2. That we can walk as children of light. Ephesians 5.8. That we can walk as wise men. Ephesians 5.15. That we can walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, Colossians 1:10, that we can walk and please God. First Thessalonians 4:1. we can walk in truth as we read in second and third John 1:4 in each of those chapters and as previously stated a couple of times, because of this work of God in our lives because of the indwelling Holy Spirit and the power and the means that God provides yes we can walk in the same manner as our Savior walked in addition to the Holy Spirit That all believers have, in addition to the gift of his word, the gift of his church and its gifted members, and unfettered, unrestrained access to God in prayer, in addition to those things. He has given us many admonitions found in the word of God that are intended to help us walk as he would have us to walk. Of course, without the... This is... I'm speaking to those who know this, but this is... This is for the believer and the believer only. It is the believer who has the Holy Spirit. It is the believer that has the ability to read and understand the word. It is the believer that can gather together with other believers and and, uh, be uh, ministered to by the gifts that the other believers have. And it is the believer who has unrestrained no time limit access to God in prayer. There's just two two specific admonitions that I wanted to look at. Again, that are in addition to all that we have, and we wouldn't be able to uh, see them come true in our life without the others that we just spoke of. But they're both, both found in Paul's letter to the Colossian church. I've picked just two only because these two seem to be often overlooked and it seems that God has impressed upon me more recently convinced me of their importance before I go on I, 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 I wasn't sure I was going to go to this place but Uh, but I'm going to go there. In the Word of God, we hear the words of the beloved Apostle John at one point say these words. I have no greater joy than to hear of my children walking in truth. We know that he's not talking about his biological children although he would have said the same thing if he was but he's talking about those who are his children in the faith those who he had been instrumental in their lives as believers and like some of you know I often do sometimes I think it's important to see see what John didn't say John didn't say I have no greater joy than to hear that my children assemble together each week. He didn't say, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children, and don't get me wrong when I say this, read their Bible every day. And I say that because We know this is true. The person who goes to church every week is not necessarily someone who's walking in truth. The person who's walking in truth is likely meeting together with other brothers and sisters on a regular basis because that's part of the life. The person who reads their Bible every day isn't necessarily... The person who's walking in truth. The person who's walking in truth is likely someone who's reading their Bible every day. Do you you see the difference? So I think that John, when John's talking about, I have no greater joy than to hear my my children walking in truth, he could have said, Walking, talking, thinking. They sort through things, they think about things like Jesus, like the Word of God tells us to. Anyway, that's kind of why I go to these two passages in Colossians. The first one's in Colossians three, chapter or excuse me, verses one through three. And this would include all of us. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I don't think it's a stretch to say if we we talk about forsaking the assembly and we shouldn't do that. But if we forsake the seeking of the things above where Christ is, if we forsake setting and continuing to set our mind on the things above and not on the things that are on earth, that high calling will stay aloof of us. We have to be, we have to be Seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We've got to be setting our minds on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. I say that and I know, I know that this is one of those places that we all struggle with. I would say, oh, how we struggle to keep seeking the things above. And oh how we struggle to keep setting our minds on the things above and not on the things on earth. This is not a one-time setting. (laughs) Not a one-time seeking. And it's not a -a once-a-week setting or a -a once-a-week seeking. The second one is also in Colossians 3, in verse 16. Another place where I feel that we, oh, if we could find this place. It says, let you, believer, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If we forsake the letting, the word of Christ richly dwell, richly live within us Christ likeness will always seem aloof from us again don't get me wrong when I say this but This is not just listening to the preacher. It's even not not just reading and studying the word. All of those things are important. But it's letting the word of Christ richly dwell within you. Thinking about the word. Meditating on the words of Christ. Surrendering our thoughts and our will. To the word of Christ taking to heart what it is letting it reside there and 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 again this is the key letting it reside there resulting in changing the way we think changing the way we talk changing the way we walk As the Spirit works in our life, I want to close by. It was actually last week, Pastor Caleb referenced this passage, and I thought, "Oh man, he's gonna, he's gonna go into this thing and and." Uh, but he didn't stay too long there. But in Galatians, chapter five, the beloved apostle Paul is inspired by God, I think, to provide us the the ultimate, definitive answer to this problem that we've discussed this morning, to this struggle. How do we get there. How do we get to that place where God wants us to live? I've heard Mike talk about this many times as well. To walk by, to be responsive to the Spirit of God. So, Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, Paul wrote these words Let let the double edged sword cut deep. (laughs) But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For a moment before I go any further, I know that we read that and we often, rightly so, don't get me wrong, emphasize the first part, but I want you to take a look at the second part of that. That's a promise. That's a promise from God. Ask the question, you don't want to carry out the desire of the flesh? Walk by the Spirit. Because the Word says, walk by the Spirit and you will not. Carry out the desire of the flesh. I think one of the greatest promises we have. For the flesh, this is that struggle we know about, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh, and here's some, so, as if he needs to. So here are some of the deeds of the flesh. Here are some of the things where, as 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 this word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword, reveals things to us, we can go, hmm, hmm, yeah, that's me. That means I'm not walking in the spirit, right? Uh, the deeds of the flesh are evident. Immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry sorcery enmities and we all go we don't do that keep going right keep going down the list enmities strife jealousy outbursts of anger disputes dissensions factions envying drunkenness carousing and if it wasn't named (laughs) that's my version And if it wasn't named, things like these, right? Of which I forewarn you just as I forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, what does that look like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. I don't need to be your Holy Spirit and you don't need to be mine. I have been convinced most of my life that the Holy Spirit does a good job of what he does. But it is a challenge for us, Lord, May your spirit reveal to me was was the words that I spoke today, the life that I lived, the thoughts that I had were they characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness self-control or was I walking in the flesh? most of the time. Quick observation about that, and we'll, we'll stop. Um, this is just, just an observation that I've had over the years. I think oftentimes what we do, what I do, is we live life we do something wrong, we have a bad thought, we say something that ought not to have been said, and then we go to the word of God and the spirit of God to correct it. And that might be good under certain circumstances, and necessary under many. But sometimes I think we we, we, we might pause and go... no but why did that happen? Did it happen because I wasn't walking in the spirit? I I think the answer we would have is, yeah, that was really the issue. It wasn't that you were walking in the spirit and you needed to come back and now correct the things that were done in the spirit. (laughs) It was was the other way around. And I say that only to, to... really challenge us in seeing if the call is as high as the word appears to say that it is the only way to get there, the only way to live there is to walk by the spirit the only way not to walk by it in a better fleshly fashion (laughs) or a polished up fleshly fashion but by the spirit of course this is why the apostle Paul says what I'm crucified with Christ and yet I live and yet not I but Christ who lives in me anything 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 worthy of the Son of God in these earthen vessels is lived in us as we walk responsive in step with the Spirit of God, right? Because that's where the Spirit of God would lead us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day and thank you for um, your word. I just thank you for who you are. I, I am in awe that you as the holy god would call us to walk in a manner that you've called us to walk you know our, our our frailties our shortcomings you know us intimately and yet you've provided a way lord help us each one to to find that that relationship with you not just on a on a sunday but lord that it would be our life and we would thank you for it and that you would help us to be quick to uh, to ask for forgiveness when we when it's revealed to us by your spirit that we've been walking in the flesh lord just Work in our hearts as only you can, and I just thank you for each one that's here, and thank you for your love and your care every day. In Jesus' name, amen.